Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Balls Over the Top podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rock. And I'm your host, Brendan Collins. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Balls Over the Top podcast. Please share, tell a friend, tell us, tell us you love us. We're always on our socials at B-O-T-T podcast. By the way, you don't even have to. It doesn't even have to be a friend that you tell. You could tell somebody that you don't like really that much. Yeah. If if if, if you think that they'd be interested in what we have to say, and maybe you, or or even if it would just distract you and get get you away from them, you could be like, hey, why don't you listen to this podcast? And then they'll put it in. It gives you quite a head start. They're all like half hour to you know an hour long. Exactly. You could get. You can, you just can get. Be, excuse yourself. Yeah, you can get quite a bit of distance in that yeah. amount of time. So we uh, we have a lot of things to talk to you about. This yeah, we've week. got a full week. We cannot dilly dally at the start of the show because we got plenty to talk about because we got some Champions League football. Well, we, off. we have tons tons of football. We to have talk so about. much soccer to talk really, about. Really, this is a really exciting time if you're a fan of one of the top teams in any of the European leagues mm-hmm. because all of them have just a boatload of games going on. Oh yeah, it's There are constant. games being played in the in the domestic leagues on the weekends and then we have Champions League or international basically tournaments mm-hmm. being played midweek. So lots of games to watch and therefore we have a lot of games to talk about. Yeah, there's very few days off. Um, in the Champions League this past week, the Premier League teams did really well. Yeah, they, they fared really they, well. They showed out. They came to perform. We have uh, we have four uh, clubs in the competition. We, you know, yeah, between the four English teams in the Champions League that qualified this after this past season, all four of them had clean sheets, and the fewest goals scored was by the defending Premier League champions Liverpool. Yeah, getting a two nil win over a team I honestly I don't even recognize. It's a uh, FC. Lots of consonants. Uh, it's a it's a Danish side. Uh, mid, mid, midland? midland. We're going to call it that. We don't really we don't speak Danish. We don't know how to pronounce it. They're not the most relevant team. They're currently third in their in their top in the Danish league. I mean, they're good in the Danish league for what that matters. But yeah, we don't know much about them. Yeah, I, I've never really heard of them before. Even with my FIFA playing, with all of the international football I watch. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting Liverpool to come away with a win. The fact that they only scored two goals was a little bit surprising, but they are banged up right now. I think yeah. the more surprising part is that they didn't allow any goals. Yeah, as their they, back line has has held stalwart. As we've uh, we've seen issues already. We've seen it riddled. I mean, no Joel Matip, no Virgil, Virgil van, van Dijk. Dijk. Yeah, with that Achilles injury, it's a that's a major blow to that back line. But they've been able to find some kind of shape between both Joe Gomez and with uh, Fernandinho playing center back. But he was even out this past week with a red card. Uh, with a red card, yeah. And and so it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound and how they continue to progress. Elsewhere, we saw Manchester City get a three nil win over the French side Marseille. That was a pretty dominant performance, as mm-hmm. we would expect from them. I mean, out of all of the teams here, they were the ones that. I mean, I know we just talked about Liverpool against a team we didn't really recognize, mm-hmm. but. Marseille is nowhere near the caliber of club that Manchester City is. Well, they don't have the caliber of funding that Man City exactly. has either. And so you would expect Manchester City to dominate that game. And they did, 3-0. to nil. But 
we saw even bigger score lines out of the other English teams. Absolutely. With Chelsea having a very convincing 4-0 victory over Krasnodar. Yes. The, I believe, Turkish team. Mm -hmm. And we saw Christian Pulisic score. We got to see a lot of the young guns. Uh, ZX scored. Mm -hmm. uh, they really looked dominant. Chelsea, in all facets of the game, getting another clean sheet. Their press was very impressive. Um, when they turned the ball over, they were getting it back really quickly. But far and away the most impressive showing out of any of the Premier League clubs in the Champions League this past week was Absolutely. out of Manchester United. Which is getting, crazy to think. Especially, exactly, because we'll, we'll get to that later. But, you know, with a 5-0 victory over Red Bull Leipzig, who are really one of the classes of the Bundesliga, I mean, it's them... Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, who really are the three that stand alone, I, I think. Yeah, and and not to mention, you know, just a few short months ago, this team was in the in the top four of this same competition last year. Now, obviously, Leipzig did lose Timo Werner to mm -hmm. Chelsea, who was their biggest goal scorer. Mm -hmm. But it still speaks volumes that in a game that a lot of people would have thought would have been kind of a coin toss, very tight, either team could win it. Mm -hmm. United comes in and wins in dominant fashion. Absolutely. Elsewhere, we got saw some surprising, not very surprising, but some good performances out of out of the Bundesliga teams in the in the Champions League. I know they're the teams that you like to keep an eye on. Definitely. Bayern has just continued to steamroll, mm -hmm. getting a two to one win. Honestly, a little bit closer than they were hoping over Lokomotiv Moscow. Mm -hmm. And Munchen Gladbach drew two to two with a Real Madrid side. That's honestly been struggling of late yeah uh, i mean that's definitely a surprising result to to get points against a, a, a top tier spanish side doesn't happen many times in european competitions and then the young guns of course of dortmund came through and dazzled as they've been becoming you know known to do at this point i mean once again against zen and st petersburg it's, it's another great performance from Dor dortmund's youth talent i mean obviously getting to see players this young on, on this kind of stage is extremely exciting, and uh, I think we'll get to see a lot of it in uh, in this divisional round of this Champions League. Yeah, they're, they're a ton of fun to watch. I mean, they have the young American talent, young English talent. I mean, really, my maybe the thing that I think the Bundesliga should get the most credit for is the fact that they're such a melting pot. I understand really all of the top leagues in England are, mm -hmm. but in Europe, yeah. I mean, Spain has a ton of I international Europe, players. Yeah, I France has a ton. No, I, uh, I, I, I mean, you. England does. England is as well. Obviously, England the, also. The, all, the yeah, Premier the Premier League, League also has a, but a ton of different. We really see an abundance of just tons of different cultures mm -hmm. in the Bundesliga, Absolutely. And, and I think that's cool to see different styles of play, different athletes, different flares that come from these different regions mm -hmm. all kind of coming together for this unique style of, of football it all kind of it all kind of melds well together it's been uh it's been really fun to see lastly ra rounding out the champions league mm -hmm. we saw some italian struggles yeah juventus uh now juventus still without cristiano ronaldo in that game mm-hmm Played against Barcelona, which they did lose 2-0. A lot of people were looking forward to, hopefully, a Cristiano Ronaldo-Lionel Messi matchup, which, you know, everybody loves to see a little bit less frequent now due to Ronaldo leaving La Liga. But this game was pretty pretty well dominated. 
yeah. by Barcelona. I, I will say there were three goals marked off for offside, two of which very marginally oh, yes. against Alvaro Morata. I mean, he had a, a hat trick of disallowed goals, which obviously VAR... Means nothing. Opinion of the ref. Yeah, yeah, any of those things could have flipped this scoreline on its head. But still, it ends up looking the way it does. Barcelona getting the result after their president and board all resigned to mm-hmm. please Messi and the fans. It's it's a big blow to Juventus as they're in a pretty difficult group and thus far, you know, haven't haven't gotten to really shine the way they're used to. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, Lazio drew against Club Bruges. Lazio, as much as you would th- want to favor them in this matchup, honestly had to be happy to come away with this. They were in the middle of a really, really, truly bad COVID outbreak, and were only able to bring fourteen players to this game mm-hmm. for who were able who were able to dress. So they didn't even have a full bench for substitutes. Yeah, I mean they were really scraping the barrel to put a squad together, and. The fact that they were able to salvage a point, you know, without Chiro Mobile, without a lot of their top talent, they have to be happy with that, even though coming into the fixture, you would have initially looked at a matchup against Club Bruges and assumed a, a Lazio victory. Mm-hmm. Handedly, for sure. Speaking of COVID outbreaks, the last matchup of Italian squads in the Champions League was Atalanta versus Ajax, which finished in a relatively unexciting 2 2 draw. A uh, result both sides can be relatively happy with. Ajax, obviously the best team in the class of the Dutch Eredivisie, but are on par with the kind of not necessarily top-of-the-table teams, but European qualifying-level teams in, sure. in the major leagues. And Atlanta is no, you know, schlub. No. Uh, 2-2 results pretty solid for, for either side. But the bigger concern there is Ajax has 11 players test positive for COVID today following that matchup. Obviously now we're a week out of it, but we don't know if those ma- if those players in Atalanta were exposed or yeah. even if maybe they possibly were the ones who who contaminated yeah. the Ajax we're players. The we don't uh, so we don't know. Uh, and this is, you know, this, this is, is very breaking, very recent news. Mm-hmm. This, this came is, out just a little while before our show. Yeah. So so I mean, bringing it up, I mean, what does this spell for the future of this European competition? We don't know exactly. Hopefully that this team can quarantine, get well, together. Well, it's not the first COVID breakout. Like I said, we already saw Lazio dealing with this, and the kind of the matches went on, it appears as though at least during the group stage there could be forfeitures as an option, considering it's not a do-or-die type scenario. Mm-hmm. You also have teams having the option to, because it's the group stage, they haven't had to name their final squads yet. So they could be calling up players from their youth team or other alternative options yeah. to bring up healthy players. So. There's enough stopgap options to keep it moving, but what it, what it means for the competition, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so moving into the domestic cups, so all of that was midweek last week, and we're going to see a continuation of Champions League games tomorrow and Wednesday. You can find those on a lot of the uh, streaming sites if you're looking to save some money or if you want to pay for anything, CBS All Access has all of the games. They also have like a NFL Red Zone-esque highlight channel. Really cool. Called Golasso. You know, just to, not to throw them any free advertising. Yeah, we don't need to 
We don't need to throw CBS we anything. We make no but money from this podcast. Gotta say, it was a, it's a lot of fun, so it's worth checking out. Going to the domestic leagues that played over the weekend and had a lot of really exciting games. Obviously, my love, the Premier League, and my boys, Chelsea, had a very convincing win over Burnley. Mm-hmm. 3-0, despite a last-second lineup change, Christian Pulisic injuring his hamstring in the pregame warm-up. Yeah, just 10 minutes before the game is set to start. Well, you couldn't, you wouldn't have thought that that team had a setback. I mean, they came out clicking. They had their, their chemistry on offense looked phenomenal. The defense looked smothering. The goalkeeping from Mendy was reliable. Oh, dare I say it. And it was really great. So Chelsea had a dominating 3-0 victory. Ziek scoring again. He's now scored in, I believe now, each of his first three or maybe two starts for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But he's first player, I believe, since like Frank Lampard to do that. I mean, he's really yeah. I mean, it, it, well, and this is his, his first in Premier League. Yeah, starts because yeah, I know he's been coming in off the bench. Mm-hmm. But so good for him. Uh, elsewhere around the Premier League, we saw uh, Diego Jota net the game winner for mm-hmm. Liverpool in yeah. a closer game than they wanted against West Ham. I mean, that was a late winner that they needed to rely on Jota for. Absolutely. And then we saw Gareth Bale netting the late winner against Brighton, Hove, and Albion after they battled back to make it 1-1. Looked like they were going to really take all three points at some points. I mean, Brighton, their attack really had some teeth to it. Oh, it, de- it definitely does. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Gareth Bale scores a header. And VAR helps secure the victory for the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So there were some exciting things. Obviously, a couple of big-name transfers with Ziek Jada and Gareth Bale all scoring for their respective clubs this weekend. Mm-hmm. We also saw a pretty interesting game in the Arsenal versus Manchester United game. Yeah, Manchester United coming in hot, looking like a goal-scoring machine. And then Arsenal kind of dissects them down. Pogba doesn't look great, but Jeff Partey looks Fantastic for Arsenal, and Arsenal comes away with the 1-0 victory. Yeah, I mean, really this match could have easily been 0-0. Paul Pogba gave away a really ugly penalty, which Aubameyang then converts. Mm-hmm. The bigger surprise here, I think, to me, has to be Manchester United not scoring in the Premier League. I mean, they're coming... Remember last week, it was a 0-0 draw against Chelsea in one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They come out in this game against Arsenal, and if not for a stupid penalty... This would have been nil-nil. And meanwhile, in their last two Champions League matches, I think they've scored something like nine goals in 180 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just such a discrepancy in the hunger, in the drive, in the creativity, in the just class of football that they're playing. And I don't understand why. I don't understand what it is. It's a lot of the same players coming out. You still have Martial out there. You have Mason Greenwood out there. You have Marcus Rashford out there. You have Bruno Fernandez, Paul Pogba. It's not like you're you're putting different lineups out. I even you know and and if they were, I would say give the other guys the chance. But it's the same guys. So and I don't know if it's rest, but if it's resting, you wouldn't see the performance shine in one in one aspect and then struggle in the other. So. I don't get it, but this United team has to figure it out because their domestic performance is not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. Another team that's performance has really 
dropped off recently is Everton. Everton just recently, we were talking about them possibly finishing in the top four, making some noise, trying to get into the European competitions. And they just dropped their second straight. They lost to Newcastle, mm-hmm. which was really a bummer. I mean, really, really not a great game. Yeah, 2-1 defeat looked pretty rough. They looked. They never really looked super threatening. Now, they were without James Rodriguez. They were without Richarlson, so, who are two of, obviously, their biggest attacking presences. And Calvert-Lewin did score once in stoppage time, and they almost found a way to score a second in stoppage time. But... Overall, they're the better team. They have the better talent. They have the better manager in Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Uh, I'm disappointed at, at Everton's recent run of form, and yeah. I would hope that they get it back on track, but they might just revert to back to being one of those mid-table teams that they've been the last decade, and that would be fine too, but I was really optimistic that they were turning a new page. And it's, it's really curious, why are they resting Jordan Pickford? Pickford's ready to go. He's a young lad. He's he's definitely got the fitness to keep staying in these matches. I don't know why. I don't know why. Especially when they're not playing in European competition. Exactly. It so doesn't make much it's sense. It's not to like me. they're playing matches on Tuesday and Wednesday and then having to come out again on Saturday or Sunday. Well, Leicester has moved up into second place now following a 4 1 win over Leeds today, which we saw Yuri Telemans score a brace. This Leicester side is improving. They've looked quite good. They have both a pretty decent attack and they've got a solid defensive lineup. Do they have the depth to maintain this type of form? No. Exactly. Right away, no. I, right? I, I cut you off before you even finish the question. They are a team that can score and they can beat up on the teams below them, but they very rarely deliver the points against the big clubs. Mm-hmm. And then they occasionally drop the points against the little clubs when the pressure's on. And so... I think that this Leicester team deserves to be where it's at. I think that they've earned the right to be considered in the upper echelon of the Premier League over the last 10 years, and especially with their title win in 2016. But, no, this Leicester team is not staying in the top four. Even if they are for the next two months, even if they are following the January transfer window, they're not finishing the season in the top four. No, it's a tall ask. Moving over to Germany and your league. Yes, I've got plenty of Bundesliga stuff to talk about because uh, both Dortmund and Bayern earned three points this weekend and go to two and one respectively. We saw uh, Bayern play a pretty decent game in which uh, Robert Mueller and Serge Gnabry both scored goals. And we saw Mats Hummels pick up a pair against Armenia uh, in a in an effort where he was, I mean, the lone goal scorer, an imp- a very impressive effort. Uh, Werder Bremen earn a draw off Josh Sargent's possible goal of the week. I mean, it was a fantastic strike against an Eintracht Frankfurt side that has looked very tough defensively. And Cologne, Schalke, and Mainz are all still winless. Mainz coming into this Bundesliga season with six straight losses looking like a prime candidate for relegation. This league season's been really interesting. Um, there hasn't been a ton of change in the top teams. It's looking again like both Dortmund and Bayern and Red Bull all have potential to be in the tops of this league coming into the season. And it's, it's I mean, that's how it's starting. Well, I mean, it's definitely a long season. We could see changes, but it's a very good start. 
Well, I feel like the question always with the Bundesliga is, will Bayern Munich run out of steam? Will they stay healthy, and will they run out of steam? You have two other teams that are, like I said, top-tier upper echelon clubs in Borussia Dortmund and Red Bull Leipzig, and you could argue about Mönchengladbach or Bayer Leverkusen, sometimes even Eintracht Frankfurt on their day. Yes. But the the headline is always, will Bayern Munich run out of steam or will they dominate? I mean, they've won something like a dozen titles in a row. But sometimes it's close enough others. Last year it actually came down to the wire a little bit. Dortmund was really performing. Erlen Holland had that team rolling mm-hmm. following his move there. So you never know, but obviously that that's what everybody's eyes are going to be on. How does Dor- how, how does Munich perform, and are they able to maintain it when they start to play all of the matches? I mean, because they end up in the finals of all of their domestic cups. They end up in in the finals or toward the finals of the Champions League. They're getting out of their group. Of course they are. So, moving on from Germany, we go to La Liga, which, in my opinion, is totally up for grabs this year. I mean, it's really 2020 in a nutshell, isn't it? I mean, we're seeing Real Madrid struggle, which... You would think following Ronaldo's departure, there would be a little bit of a lack of identity there. I mean, we even saw it with Juventus when Ronaldo was on the bench from COVID or whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, when a world-class player is out of the lineup, you almost the whole team lacks somewhat of its identity. Absolutely. However, there's no excuse for the quality of play of Real Madrid or Barcelona right now. Barcelona, they haven't had lost those players. And yes, those players are getting old and they have not been replacing the talent, or when they have been replacing the talent, it hasn't working, been working out. It's been See, expensive, big money transfers. Yeah, like Usman Dembele or, or big just players who they bring in and then the player sits there on the bench or sits gets a little bit of play time and then they bench them because they don't like the immediate production or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than Frankie de Jong, I can't think of a young, talented player that they've brought in to great success over the last several seasons. No, it hasn't and happened. So when you look at that, when you look at the way Real Madrid has been struggling, this league is up for grabs. When I usually say it's a two-team league with the little brother being Atletico Madrid, who sometimes gets to sneak in and and be part of the gang. Mm -hmm. It could be anybody's, and I think that's evident by the fact that Real Sociedad just won their first, fourth straight, rather, and they're up to the top of the table. And so we see a team like Real Sociedad, who are always competitive. You see them around. You see them in the Europa League. You see them occasionally in the Champions League. But now they're actually getting their time to sit at the top of the table, and who knows, maybe build a lead and, and may be able to maintain that, or yeah. at least, you know, for the sure. Europe- European spot for they've much looked of the season. Ex- they looked extremely impressive in this in this past 4-1 victory against Celta Vigo. I mean... And you know, another te- the other teams look, looked impressive, like I mentioned them just before, the little brother, I say, of the league, but Atletico Madrid. The Suarez signing has looked to be integral. Joao Felix is continuing to flourish and become the world-class player that everybody knows he's going to become. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, you see performances like that coming. Yeah, it does look like Real got got their legs back under them with a four to one win against Huesca, but this is also just off of the heels of a two to two draw against Borussia Mönchengladbach, a team that they should be easily beating. Exactly. Easily beating. So where's the identity still? It's still lacking. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously Madrid has the stars. They have Hazard still. They have Ramos. They have Ramos with his 500th appearance in the league. I mean, an absolute stalwart in that defensive line. Yeah, and and you need those kinds of foundation pieces. But it's going to be interesting to see how this all how this all plays out. Mm-hmm. Over in Italy, we saw the return of the great one. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo came back from his COVID-19 absence. Yes. After finally being testing clean and being cleared to play and return to training, it didn't take him long. No. He comes and gets subbed in in the second half and scores two goals. Not only does he score two goals, but they end up giving his team the lead and obviously then securing the lead. It, it, It was... It was a f- fantastic performance. He makes an immediate impact. He reminds you that he is still at, what, 36? Yeah, one of the, I mean, the most in- insane athletes in the world. And, wow, incredible. Juventus kind of hoping that that gets them back on track after a series of not great performances. Again, we saw it in the Champions League, a loss to Barcelona. We've seen it in the league with a draw. I believe it was to Spezia last week, I mean, mm-hmm. as we talked about. So Juventus looks like they're starting to get their footing back under them, and, and that's a problem for the rest of the Serie A. Meanwhile, sure. we've seen Inter Milan continuing to play relatively well. They ended up having to come from behind, though, against Parma yeah. to salvage a 2-2 two to two draw. Gervinho with a brace, really looking fantastic. The ageless Gervinho with a brace. And they end up getting a point by the skin of their teeth with a Ivan Perisic equalizer. Yeah, in coming the, in the 92nd minute, right at the, uh, right at the deadline. And then uh, the other Milan team... And again, speaking of ageless, 38-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic with a wonder goal, a bicycle, overhead bicycle kick, to give them the 2-1 to win over Udinese. I mean, this guy, it's just incredible. Yeah. It really is. I, I mean, Zlatan's unbelievable. He, and we've known this. Where This isn't a hot take. No. He's... One of the greatest athletes we'll ever see. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's still doing it at this age and in a top-flight league and really has AC Milan at the top of the table is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he's six foot four. He's got the agility of somebody who's five two. It's insane. It's ridiculous that he's continued to have such a wonderful run of form um, into his into his older years. And we, I'm really excited to see where he can take this AC Milan team too. And then lastly, out of the other big clubs in the Serie A, real quick, Lazio, despite their depleted status and, again, having the COVID outages that they've had, they did have a few players return, by the way, the last few days, though, between their Champions League matchup and the league league matchup. Had a really exciting game against Torino. That one was back and forth all game. Ends up 4-3, to but there were several lead changes, lots of ties. It was really exciting. And then Sassuolo upsets Napoli 2-0. That Napoli side that has honestly, again, been kind of lacking stability. I mean, sometimes looking like one of the best teams in the league with 
explosive attacks from Irving Lozano and Victor Oshiman and a lot of the great talents that they have there. And then other times, again, here, laying an egg and losing to a Sasulo team that really is... Uh, extremely unimpressive. Exactly. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how this league shapes up. Like I said, it looks like Juventus is getting their footing back onto them, which could be bad news for everybody else. But these Milan teams are both looking good. You can never count out Lazio, especially they've been scraping these results by even even in their you know depleted state. And you got to keep an eye on this Serie A. It's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. It's definitely going to be impressive. But we can hop on the plane. Let's fly across the pond because we got some MLS action to talk about we've only got a couple weeks left in this mls season. couple weeks we have one week left in this mls season that's right we have a couple weeks till the playoffs start we, we have, have one, week. one game we have the final day of matches we have match day know, finale 20 26 or something yeah something the exact date it's, well, it's, it's not even the same for all the teams season. yeah because it's based off points anyway we've got mls news to talk about yep we have the Finale of the MLS season. It's we're sprinting to the finish line, and the Union are holding on to a all the slimmest of of margins, a supporter shield lead, a two to one. Or sorry, they have a tiebreaker lead mm-hmm. against the Toronto FC team. FC team, who we dominated recently five to nil. Yeah, but. After a really back. close 2-1 to loss this past weekend against Columbus, we find ourselves now back even in with Toronto after they came from behind to get a 2-1 to win themselves. Mm-hmm. So going into the last final match day, we need a result. We need a win, preferably, to guarantee the shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tie would, or loss could even still win it, depending on how Toronto does themselves. But we don't want to rely on that. No. We want to win. We would like to win the shield ourselves. But it's going to be tough because we are potentially missing Andre Blake with a hand injury. Andre Blake has been Union's goalkeeper this season. He's been absolutely lights out fantastic. He's finished a third of his games with a shutout this year. The whole back line has been good, but Andre Blake is a absolutely special talent. Really, I mean, he's the premier goalkeeper in the MLS people who want to question that are absolutely ridiculous so yeah we really need to it could be concerning his status for this weekend's game is up in the air we hope hope he is on the pitch but this team could still pull out the result even without him but you you'd you'd like to see him out there especially for the games that matter we did see covid rear its ugly head this week in the mls as the game between minnesota united and sporting kansas city ended up having to be canceled after an outbreak there, this is the type of thing that obviously we don't want to see, but I have faith in the MLS. They've been handling this debatably better than anybody since this whole thing started. And we, you know, these are both teams that are expecting to make the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we hope that they're able to figure this out, get these teams healthy and, you know, ready for playoff action in the next few weeks. Now, we got a couple teams that will not be in that any playoff not action. not ready for playoff action. Yeah, yeah, because they have been officially eliminated. FC Cincinnati in the East and the Houston Dynamo and Real Salt Lake from the West have officially been eliminated. And really, this comes as a surprise to no one. 
Yeah, I mean, it really does though, mean it's fun. I mean, think about how few teams are mathematically eliminated coming into the final match day of the season. A lot of teams are going to have a chance. A lot of teams have a hope. A lot of it's seeding that's still up in the air. But, you know, anything can really happen. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't count out anybody. We shouldn't write off any results, uh, you know, shouldn't. And really, therefore, you can't write in any playoff matchups in because you don't know what the seeding's going to be. Speaking of that, just a quick housekeeping note in the West Coast, as we said, that the Philadelphia Union, in the East Coast, is Philadelphia Union and Toronto FC are duking it out for the top seed. In the West, Portland Timbers just jumped up to the first seed. Mm -hmm. I believe actually unseating the previously aforementioned, was it the Sporting Kansas City? No, it was the Sounders who were in the number one spot following their their loss this past week. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this last week wraps up. Uh, Most of the games, I believe, are happening simultaneously the way a lot of the leagues do it for that final match day to make sure that none of them are pointless. So it'll be worth keeping an eye on. Probably have the multi-box going on ESPN this weekend. Yeah. Stop stop shilling for all these streaming services, man. We're we're going to wind up losing money. So let's jump over to another another organization that's (laughs) probably losing money because the players won't agree to a date that the... Uh, commissioner wants to. We got the NBA and we got plenty of NBA news to talk about because a lot yeah, of hiring's going on. That was an oddly specific. That, that was a real stretch. Yeah, that was a real were, stretch, you... but I was rolling with it. Yeah, it felt like we were playing like guess who? Yeah, do they? It's the league that's losing money, and yeah. it's like okay, that's all of them. Uh-huh. because. <laughs> COVID nineteen. Uh, okay, that's still all. That's of them. still. All... Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> The NBA has really got to be having the biggest headache. I get where the players are coming from. They just went into a bubble. They didn't complain. They complained a little. They, they didn't complain. Lot. They complained a lot. They, yeah, but, you know, some of them brought shoes with them and stuff and made it fun. Yeah. But the, I get the players not having enjoyed that, I, uh, but, uh, you know, and I get that the season just wrapped up weeks ago but simultaneously they had a massive multi-month layoff right in the meat of what would have been their season like it like it's not like they didn't get time off from this yeah so (laughs) i hope that they can figure it out it would be fun to watch some nba on christmas day we want our sports you know even now and it sounds like a joke but it feels like now we have a lack of sports. Mm-hmm. I know we have a ton of soccer, as we just mentioned, with our midweek and weekend games. But it's like... But then it's just soccer now. It's just soccer. It's like, yeah, okay, we also have football. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound so greedy, because it's like, well, it's just soccer on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we have football on Monday, Thursday, and also Sunday. then there's soccer on Saturday, and there's college football on Saturday, and then football on soccer on Sundays? What do you... What am I going to do Wednesdays? Oh, wait, there's still soccer then, too. Well, what am I going to do at night? No, it's like, you know. The, the, yeah. So, yeah, you're kind of stretching it with your schedule. Okay, there's most soccer games are done before nighttime. Yeah. But the fact that we don't have any basketball or hockey in the pipeline right now and we're normally kind of right at the hype part yeah, of those the seasons of the starting. Season. 
yeah, it's a little bit weird. And to not really have an answer of when that's going to work out is also a little weird. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. I get the predicament they're in. Obviously, their eyes are just money signs, but that's how they always are. Yeah, that's how it works. As far as the actual league news goes, uh, we'll keep you posted when there is a date and when they do have announcements on that. But there were a couple of hires that were pretty noteworthy. Yeah, a couple of contracts. A couple signed. of ex-Houston Rockets on the move. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni joined the Rick Nash staff in New York with the Knicks, which, God bless them, wanting to go to that Knicks organization. That's, that's really, wow. I mean, uh, they must have a death wish. I get that they had a rough time, uh, you know, down in Houston, but he got so used to winning, he wants to know what losing is like. I don't know. Yeah. Or he just assumes that, okay, that team's going to be trashed so fast that Rick Nash will inevitably get fired. Or it's not Rick. Is it Steve Nash? Steve Nash. I've been saying Rick Nash. Yeah. Rick Nash is the hockey player. Yeah. Steve Nash. I know, that, that Steve Nash is going to just get fired right away, so D'Antonio will be able to take that job on the interim basis, and then, but... No, I don't know. I, I mean, you have no faith in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming together and playing together a decent basketball team, and... Oh, uh, wait, it's Brooklyn, you know, it I thought Brooklyn. it was the Knicks. Oh. Well, that's your yeah, fault. Yeah, no, it's my fault. Yeah. That's, that's... This a, is that's Brooklyn. A, that's Brooklyn's not as bad. Yeah, no, I mean I it's still bad. It's still it's not great. Yeah, but they you still have, yeah, but you still have to build something. You, I mean, like well, you I have that, stuff. I thought that Russian guy already built the stadium. Yeah, he might have. In in the all that no, that was Jay Z who built it. Jay Z built that stadium with the Russian guy. Yeah, and he, him, and Beyonce they put on their hard hats and they got to work, and we respect them for it. We got other stuff to talk about because Daryl Morey got hired as VP of yeah, basketball he was operations. Other, he was the other ex ex rocket. He's the other ex rocket. He's moving, which along. is shocking because you know after his comments that were critical of China, I was not necessarily expecting him to have a job. Yeah, I thought he was going to hide under his desk for the Rockets for a year, which he did. Mm-hmm. Then got fired more or less, which he did. Mm-hmm. And then I thought he was going to not have a job mm-hmm. but because he, he, because the NBA will roll over to China. But he gets a job here in Philadelphia as VP of Basketball Operations. He's not allowed to have a Twitter account, though, which is a weird part of that contract. Anyway, it's an exciting it's an exciting piece. I mean, I'm really looking to see what he can bring to Elton Brand's table to try and... On the sh- same note, by the way, Elton Brand was given a contract extension today. That is true, which means that the front office has faith in him as the GM of this entire organization, and I think, you know, with all the things that we're now surrounding Elden Brand with, I think he's in a real position where he could have success, but if he doesn't have success, the wheels on this bus are going to come off so fast, you're going to be seeing sparks for days. Well, I I think, unfortunately, for Elton Brand, now he has the cards to make it so a player is before him, but... He becomes maybe the first head to roll. I mean, he I mean, he has the cards to make it so maybe it's Joel or Ben who is the first head to roll because he's the GM. But at this point, I don't know if he has that final say with. Well, Darryl I don't. Even, I, will, I don't know. If, I mean, 
head head to roll, depending on how this election goes. We might not see Josh Harris anymore, but it 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 will be interesting to see. Ellen Brand definitely is kind of on the clock at this point. He's you know the Sixers team has disappointed uh, for the better part of a decade. Well, and I think he's put into a tough predicament because I feel like if Elton Brand wins, people are going to say, well, it's them bringing in Doc Rivers, it's them bringing in Daryl Morey, it's them, you know. I think if if we have success, no one cares. But I think if they lose... But what I mean is not no one cares. I don't. Obviously, nobody's going to care who gets the credit. But I mean, if you're trying to grade Elton Brand as a general manager, if we win, I don't know how many grades people are going to give him because I think they'll be able to separate them. You know what I mean? I think they'll yeah, be able no, to I sit mean, there and true. point to Daryl Morey and point to Doc Favors and say, look, look at the pedigree they brought in. And say those are the those are the reasons why, you know. True. I mean, I, that's just a way better case scenario than the opposite, though. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we've got a little bit more more NBA news because Stephen Silas joins the Rockets as the head coach, working as the Dallas Mavericks assistant for two years, looking to bring a little uh, semblance of some organization to this Rockets team that. I don't know, kind of, kind of, burnout in the playoffs. I guess. Is yeah, the right I don't word get that. I really don't. With the talent and the big names and needing to manage Russ and James Harden, obviously there are rumors that they might trade one of those big names. But I would be trying to get a big name head coach in there who can rein in those superstar personalities. I feel like. I honestly didn't know who this guy was until we looked him up for tonight. I mean, and granted, I'm not the most well-versed basketball fan, but I also think I'm not, I'm smarter than the average bear, you know? So I am a little bit surprised by this decision. You know, also it's not like he's coming from an organization that has a ton of championship pedigree. Yes, they... Mavericks did win a championship with Dirk Nowitzki, but... It's more than two years ago. What's that? It's more than two years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. And so, you know, that's what I mean. It's not like this is a team that you... It's not like you go, oh, well, the guy just went, ran off one, you know, three, four championships in the last ten years as assistants with the, you know, the Cavs or the Heat or the... Gold State Warriors, or you know, it's yeah, like whenever. this is, or, or it's not like he was Popovich's assistant or Doc Rivers' assistant. It was like he, you know, he's been a Dallas Mavericks assistant. So, yeah. Uh, one thing, by the way, that is on the calendar for the NBA is the NBA draft is scheduled for the 18th. No consensus number one pick. A lot of people think that the Ball brother is. Is yeah, a good chance of going number Lamello. one, Lamelo. I think it is. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I probably will not watch the draft because I usually don't. But and it's I'll virtual read about this it. year anyway. Yeah. So. so that's something. But that is something that we do have on the calendar. And like I said, November eighteenth. Yes. Moving over to the NHL, another league in its off season. The 
Arizona Coyotes renounced the rights to the 111th overall pick, Mitchell Miller. After it came out, this is something I saw last week. We thought about bringing up. We didn't end up putting it in the show and made the cutting room floor because we didn't really know what was going to come of it and mm-hmm. ended up being a little bit bigger of a story than we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch Mi- Mitchell Miller uh, was a... Defenseman? Defenseman, yeah, for the, for the Coyotes who had a history of systematically and periodically bullying a classmate of his who was mentally disabled and African-American. And so a lot of his abuse Mm -hmm. was racially based and a lot of it was disability based. Mm -hmm. So really just... And very heavily documented. Yeah, very. I mean, he got into a lot of documented trouble for it. The one thing I saw was that he rubbed a popsicle all inside of the urinals in the school and then tricked the disabled kid into eating it. Yeah. So that was the one thing I saw. Yeah. Apparently there were other things too. Uh, Frequently calling him the N-word, frequently using other, you know, disparaging language toward mentally disabled people. And so, yeah, a really just terrible terrible person it seems like and it's good that the coyotes are making a statement here and you know saying that there isn't room for somebody like that and again it was kind of older than the age of just saying oh i was young and stupid like and it was systematic like the kid never learned even after getting counseling and after going through the classes and workshops to try and make him not bully this kid he still did and he really maliciously targeted somebody who is you know inherently less capable of defending themselves so mm-hmm. so yeah good riddance hope he's never in the nhl and we don't have to talk about him anymore yeah dallas stars released some super ugly jerseys god the most just really gross, hideous. just solid black with like like a sinus infection, green yeah. accent. I mean, it's just, it's gross. It's bad. Dallas Stars are dumb. Uh, I hate you, Tyler Sagan. Yeah, Dallas sucks. Stop, stop DMing my girlfriend. I don't like it. Anyway, we can move on because we got a little bit of sad news to talk about in the hockey world. We've lost a couple of notable figures. Travis Roy is a Boston University player who just minutes into his first shift with the team in 19. 19- 95 suffered a spinal cord injury and was paralyzed ever since he's been a advocate for uh, spinal injury rehabilitation and he passes away at the age of 46 we also lost joey moss a long-term oilers locker room assistant um you know a real uh, heart and soul character somebody who was born with down syndrome um, and worked for the team for multiple decades as a locker room attendant, a real real um, you know, locker room favorite there. So uh, losing both those figures, it's a sad week for the sport, but uh, stick taps and, and good remembrances for them. And on a housekeeping note, obviously, first, first prior to that, uh, you know, two major losses there, and it's good that hockey has the accepting culture to have room for these types of people, you know, Travis Roy after his injury, 
continuing to have a heavy presence in the sport. And then Joey Moss, you know, always a feel-good story when you see somebody who's less fortunate or, you know, differently capable being put in a position where they get to brighten and enhance the lives of people in such a, you know, significant yeah, way. Yeah, very public way. Yeah. So, big for the league there. Uh, but on a more housekeeping note, too, we did see that the Sabres re-signed Victor Olofsson uh, to a two-year bridge deal, avoiding arbitration. Young, talented player there. Mm-hmm. Was maybe some teams had their eye on him, possibly possibly hitting some form of open market or being traded. Sabres get to lock him up for a couple more years, mm-hmm. or at least kick that can down the road exactly. until, until they have to really pay him. But we got we got some baseball to talk about because I mean it's crazy to think about but yeah the Dodgers won the World Series within the past week. Yeah, uh, it is the most 2020 thing ever. Maybe we see the Dodgers shake the monkeys, shake those shake those spooks that they've had uh, on Halloween or not quite on Halloween, but coming yeah. into the weekend. Justin Turner made some major headlines though after testing positive for COVID. And then still disobeying the orders, coming out, celebrating with his team. Even though, get this, he was the player representative for the Dodgers who was in charge of creating the protocols for what happens when a player tests positive. So despite being literally the figurehead for that team and the one responsible for creating their COVID protocols, he blows them off entirely going to celebrate with his team, putting at risk the the players on both teams, putting at risk their families, camera crews, reporters, you name it, despite, again, multiple, multiple instructions to isolate, quarantine, and protect himself and others. Yeah. Irresponsible. I hope that the league punishes him in some capacity. And that'll be interesting to keep an eye on, especially with him looking to be a free agent this offseason. And that Dodgers team, more likely than not, going to need to lose a few pieces to avoid paying a ludicrous amount in the luxury tax. Absolutely. And we also saw Clayton Kershaw. He shakes the playoff monkey off his back. You know, for years he's been tagged as unreliable, coming apart in the playoffs, choke job, blah, 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 blah. He comes out massive in not just this series, but in the in the playoffs as a whole. Really, the entire postseason. I mean, he had like a three point two, I think, ERA. I think he was something like six and one, uh, five and one. Could be wrong on that exactly. Again, I'm I'm just guesstimating his numbers off of what I heard on Sports Center. But really, it wasn't even about the numbers. It was about the performances that you need an ace to make, especially this is a Dodgers team that really only had two starting pitchers. The rest of the games would be bullpen games. And so you needed Kershaw to deliver. He's been the franchise guy, and he needed to pitch the big games when it mattered, and he did. And so, like I said, more so than the numbers, it was the performances. It was the duels. It was getting on the mound and doing what he needed to do to get the result. And then we see Corey Seager winning the MVP, which well-deserved. He was an absolute powerhouse all-series and real difference maker in a lot of those games. 
elsewhere in baseball. We saw two surprising manager moves, I believe, in the same division, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, with the White Sox hiring 10-million-year-old Revolutionary War veteran Tony La Russa. Yes, Tony coming right out of the Paleozoic era is set to manage this White Sox team after, uh, you know, a, a weird season. I yeah, guess I mean, is Tony, Tony La Russa is 76 years old, which is astonishing that he's getting an... A major league baseball managing job, especially with the push towards like analytics and yeah, I mean, stats, I, I, I guess they saw how successful Dusty Baker was down in Houston, and we're like, oh, I guess being old is the solution. Let's can't, get an old guy. It can't hurt for this White Sox team, which I mean, their identity has struggled, but the talent's been there. Yeah, but I mean, they're a playoff team after this past season. A lot of young talent there, but I think the biggest surprise is that. A.J. Hinch was available, mm-hmm. having just finished his suspension. And, and really, the Detroit Tigers were thrilled. I mean, yeah. everybody, I think, assumed that the White Sox were going to be the front runner to land Hinch if there was going to be teams calling him. And apparently, he didn't have to wait long, getting hired like a half an hour after the World Series. You know what happened? The, you know what happened? White Sox forgot about daylight savings times. Uh, you know, that might be what it is. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty shocked. We're pretty so- I mean... A.J. Hinch would have had the opportunity to go manage a team that would was in the playoffs, would immediately be a contender. And Teddy, instead, he has to go to that Detroit team, which has been a total, total cluster. I mean, they, they really need have no real pieces together to be building a contender. And the White Sox bring in a manager who's so old that I, you can't really expect him to be around a while. And so I don't understand with a young team, with a team that looks like it was gonna that made it to the playoffs last year and looked like it was really gonna flourish, why you wouldn't want to bring in a guy who you could build a program around, as opposed to a guy who could maybe get you one year, maybe two, tops three. Yeah. But he's seventy six. You're not gonna have an eighty year old manager. No. So I, I'm I'm pretty shocked. I'm pretty surprised. I think they're both good hires for this season, but I think that it was incredibly short-sighted, short-sighted for the White Sox yeah. to make this move. I'm with you. Lastly, the KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, playoffs started, and really, this is a thing that I think a year ago we wouldn't have talked about, <laughs> partially because we didn't have a show, no. But I, I think because... I don't think anybody really would have watched Korean baseball myself. Uh, no. I had barely watched American baseball, yeah. let alone Korean baseball. But given the pandemic, at one point they were the only league still going in like the whole world in any capacity, them and like Kosovian soccer. Mm-hmm. So I developed a little bit of a little bit of an attachment. I yeah. gotta say, I started watching the games. They they air at a ludicrous hour, which I'm nocturnal, so it worked out, and. I'm excited to see how these playoffs go. I started rooting for the NC Dinos, led by former Philly. It was like led by slugger Aaron Altair, who couldn't even crack the lineup here in Philadelphia. Mm. They've been a lot of fun to watch, and they've been uh, wire-to-wire leaders in the in the KBO. They started out in first place and never looked back. Finished in first, have the easy route to the World Series, or you know, the World Series, the South Korean Series. And 
it should be uh, exciting to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And ESPN's actually taken on full broadcasting of that. And should be some should be some fun games there. A couple of players worth keeping an eye on, too, because they might be making the jump over to the majors. It, it, could, it could definitely happen. A bunch of players coming come around in a very good uh, set of form. But we've got NFL news to talk about, and we had a weird NFL weekend. We got a bunch of major upsets in this one. Well, I wonder when we're going to stop calling it a weird weekend and start calling it a weird season. I mean, it's already in this 2020 year. We might as well just dive into it. But... Either way, the upsets this week were hard to ignore. Must have been that full blue moon or something or Halloween. I don't know. But the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa's first start yeah. were absolutely dominant. And he really didn't even need to be. They scored touchdowns with special teams, with defense. defense. Yeah. They were forcing turnovers left and right. They made Jared Goff look terrible, which isn't that hard. But they did a good job at it. And it was never even a game. No. The Dolphins dominated, beating the Rams, continuing to throw both of those divisions into oblivion. Uh, The AFC North with the Patriots, Jets, Bills, Dolphins has just been totally nuts. Yeah, it's been chaos. And, And then also the NFC West has been nuts as well with... The Niners, Seahawks, the Rams, and the... Who's the last team in that division? Niners, Seahawks, Rams. Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. Thank you. All those teams have been really good. I can't believe I had that brain fart there. (laughs) It's okay. It caught me off guard, too, because I went... I had to to go back into the catalog. But, yeah. No, I I mean, that's a crazy upset. Watching the Dolphins go wire to wire against the Rams. Crazy. So another great game that was really something to watch was that Bengals versus the Titans game. Mm-hmm. The Bengals really looked dominant. I mean, Joe Burrow looked like the true number one pick. Th- that Mike Rabel defense had no answers for that Cincinnati offense the entire game. And yet it seemed like Derrick Henry and, and that offense on Tennessee's side was stifled pretty badly. I mean... A.J. Brown was relatively ineffective. Derrick Henry was held in check. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill looked flustered more often than not. and They were getting to him, too, which was the crazier part. I mean, seeing the Bengals' pass rush actually work effectively, it's surprising. Yeah, so it's going to be something worth, you know, the Bengals' team looks like they really turned a corner, and that could be a franchise, really a franchise-shifting win. Really could be setting a new trajectory for that club and, yeah. and what their capabilities are. And the Titans just look to get back on track where, you know, just a week or two ago they were undefeated, looking like one of the classes of the AFC, and now taking a couple of losses in a row and, you know, look very beatable coming back down to earth. Definitely. Definitely looks like it could be a uh, could be a long situation for them. Um, and another upset that we saw this week, one that uh, really burned us because we, you know, we talked about beforehand. This Vikings team topped the Packers in a divisional matchup and looked really good doing it. But I mean, where's this coming from? That you know, week to week, the Vikings have looked listless, like one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Like their defense can't do anything right. 
And then they come this week to Green, you know, to face off against Green Bay, and they came to play. And Dalvin Cook went off, you know, carrying the ball up and down the field, running all over this Packers team. And Aaron Rodgers was was I mean flustered. I mean, obviously missing, you know, one of his bigger targets, but still, nonetheless, this Packers team looked really rough. Yeah, the Packers team never seemed like they had it together. The Vikings, really Dalvin Cook more than anything with a four-touchdown game over 200 yards from scrimmage. It it just never looked like a contest. And so the Packers need to get their act together. It looked like they were running away with that NFC North, and yet they're letting the Bears hang around. Honestly, at this rate, you can't mark out the Vikings. So it's going to be interesting. Another team worth keeping an eye on, Pittsburgh Steelers have remained undefeated after an impressive win over the Baltimore Ravens, really getting to Lamar Jackson, sacked four times, turned the ball over four times. I mean, they were, they were really a mess. And that, Ra- that Steelers team, I mean, offensively just keep on chugging along. I do think they have some question marks defensively, but as long as they continue to make big plays and force turnovers – the way they have been. I mean, it's it, it's going to be really hard to stop them. And, I mean, their vertical offense has just been next level. They, You know, we saw them struggling with the, getting the running game going, but it almost seems like it doesn't particularly matter too much because they've been, they've been fine just passing it through the air with Smith-Schuster, Washington, Claypool. Everybody's getting involved in that. In that, I mean, Roethlisberger, and you know, a lot of people were questioning if he still had it, especially after the injury season last year. Wow, he has answered a lot of critics wrong. I can't stand the guy. I was hoping he'd be out of the league sooner rather than later, but he looks like he could stick around for several more years, set up shop. Yeah. I mean, the way he's been playing. So it'll be another thing worth keeping an eye on. Really, a team that has had Roethlisberger's hell before they even had this head coach and Mike Tomlin, who's a staple. Uh, also, shouts out to Mike Tomlin becoming the winningest black football coach in NFL history, just surpassing Tony Dungy for most wins oh, all wow. time for an African-American coach. So Congrats shouts to out to Tomlin. him. But even that, that goes to show you he's passing, he's breaking that record, and yet... Ben Roethlisberger had a, a whole level of success with Bill Cowher and won a Super Bowl before Tomlin was even in the picture. Absolutely. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that franchise prepares for the moving on of Ben. Another thing that was interesting, that NFC South really is, you know, something to keep an eye on. Tonight, actually, I just got the final notification on my phone, breaking news here at Balls Over the Top, that the Buccaneers eked out a very close victory over the Giants, 25 to 23. Yeah. But this New Orleans Saints needed overtime to beat the Chicago Bears. Uh, This was a really fascinating game. Drew Brees looked pretty good, led a couple of impressive drives. The Saints looked like they were going to run away with it, but then Nick Foles did what Nick Foles does and led a late comeback for the Bears. Looked like the Bears were going to win it too, but then... Wild overtime, multiple possession changes, but Saints end up getting the job done. Yeah, Lutz kicks a field goal to put him up 26-23 to win in overtime, but we saw some weirdness happen in the third quarter. 
Bears wide receiver Wims gets ejected after uh, ripping off the mouth guard and sucker punching a cornerback from the Saints. Yeah, really punches him full, just haymakers twice in a row, right in the helmet. It's not a haymaker. It's uh, that was the worst punch I've ever seen. First, he's standing the opposite direction. I mean, haymakers which, aren't good punches. Haymakers are good punches. No, they're not. They're, they're haymaker is when you throw all your body weight behind a punch. Yes, right. Which I would say he did. No, just poorly. I I mean, may, maybe in the same way that every time you get off off the couch, you're haymakering yourself off the couch. I guess I don't know. It was not. It, it's not a haymaker. He opened. He open hand thrusting forward slapped him in a motion yeah did you see his hand his, he didn't even make a fist his hand is open as he strikes as a helmet like it's some advanced tai chi technique anyway he looks stupid he's like hyping himself out apparently uh, he got his mouth guard ripped off the drive prior and one of his you know teammates got spat on or something anyway ridiculous nonsense Wims suspended for two games by the NFL and the Bears organization. Everybody's clowned and confused and looking to move on. Yep, and moving on from that, uh, DK Metcalf has continued his tear. He goes off for 161 yards, two touchdowns against the Niners in a game that wasn't even close. We see major injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle on the Niners. Kittle could be out for the rest of the season. Garoppolo's out indefinitely. Looking like six weeks, possibly. Yeah, uh, it's really going downhill for a team that was hoping to build off of a Super Bowl appearance last year and being the NFC champions. Probably not even going to make the playoffs at the current trajectory, especially playing in the toughest division in football. There were also a couple notable trades. We saw Quan Alexander get traded from that banged-up 49ers team to the New Orleans Saints. In return, the Niners get Kiko Alonso, a player whose name is infamous in Philadelphia. He was the centerpiece of the LaShawn McCoy trade to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And we also, uh, there, I believe there was a fifth-round pick exchange there as well. Mm -hmm. We also see Desmond King, a former All-Pro cornerback from the Los Angeles Chargers, Going on to the Tennessee Titans, a team that has really debatably or, or statistically, I mean, they're both statistically and debatably one of the worst teams in football, and they really need, desperately need secondary help. And you think Desmond King, again, a former All-Pro cornerback, could be the answer there, guy who fell out of favor in L.A., uh, we also saw, what, Carlos Dunlap got traded, mm -hmm. and Ziggy Ansa got traded. And so did Everson Crispin. Yeah. Um, all could be decent deals. I mean, a lot yeah. of teams that were Avery unhappy. Williamson went to the Steelers from the Jets. That's a pretty nice upgrade going from winless yeah, right. you to go from undefeated. No wins to no losses. Totally flipping the script on the uh, W's and L's categories there, so good for him. Immediately going to a contender. And then lastly, we got to gloat for a second, mm -hmm. even though it's maybe the least gloat-worthy thing. Yeah. Despite having a losing record, Philadelphia Eagles beat that terrible 
Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? How about them? To build on their sole possession of first place in the NFC East, they move up to 3-4-1, and one, and I gotta say, feeling a little bit more respectable. I would say 500 is respectable. It's not good, but if you're 500, you're a respectable team. Yeah. And we're really, it, I mean, it would give it would give cadence to the uh, the whole uh, any given Sunday of football, right? Yeah, and so moving up to five hundred, just about. I mean, we're a half game out, three wins, four losses, one tie. We're going into our bye week this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. You know what? I feel like the ship's starting to turn around. We're getting healthier. Carson Wentz is looking like he's getting his sea legs under him, despite uh, the turnovers. Late in games. Yeah, despite the turnovers. I mean, he's been really he's been uh, he's been piss poor in the start of games, but he's he's found his way to make his way his into games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our and our defensive line has. I mean, I know this isn't the best uh, competition we're really going to be seeing uh, throughout the season, especially in the trenches, as far as our defensive line going up against an offensive line goes. But man, our defensive line looked good, and we're getting you know depth guys and, and bottom of the rotation guys contributing to this this defensive line. So it's I'm I'm excited to see. I'll be impressed to see where we uh we end up taking this. I think that just about wraps us up for this week's episode. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Mm-hmm. From Balls Over the Top Podcast, I'm Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins. And you can find our stuff Anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, it's where podcasts are. Google Play, Spotify, Apple, you name it. You Google us, you'll find us. And we also still have stickers available, Mm -hmm. two-inch vinyl stickers. They're pretty great. They go on just about anything. They're stickers. They stick. Stick them on stuff. That's how they work. They're stickers. And lastly, you can find our social medias at B-O-T-T podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Drop us a comment, a like, a follow. Interact with us. Yeah. We crave interaction. Yes, we Please. need it. We require the interaction. We've been penned up for far too long. This is the only interaction we get. Please, somebody, Some, anybody. Anybody reach out. We need this. And lastly, we hope to be incorporating live calling into the show. Yes. If you ever want to call into one of our episodes... Shoot us a message. We'll get you the contact info. We'll arrange it, and we'll gladly have you on as a guest, get your input, hear what you have to say. Thanks for stopping by, guys. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.